Hey, I'm Blair Guther. I'm Mike Monday. I'm Kurt Studebaker. Kurt's our wonderful guest today. We don't have a name for this podcast yet, so we're just going to hop right into it. Hopefully the first of many podcasts. Of course. Uh, let's start with Manti Teo. Kurt, what do you think? Uh, I mean, aside from being one of the weirdest weirdest stories that we've heard in a long time, uh, it couldn't have happened to a better team. <laughs> <laughs> Just some background information. We're all from Lafayette, Indiana, and big Purdue fans. So Yes. What do you think, Kurt? Do you think he was he covered up? I don't think that it was he was necessarily in on it from the beginning. I think it was more an issue of him realizing that he got duped and then knowing that at this point he's already like a national figure and he was really embarrassed by it, obviously. I mean, who wouldn't be? And so he just kind of, he, he covered up the, the fact that he knew about it. And so when the media would ask him, you know, after a game, you know, ask him about his girlfriend, how it was inspiring him to play and all that, then he just kind of went along with it just so just to avoid the embarrassment. That makes sense to me. I mean, the biggest thing for me is, is the time lapse. I believe they broke that. He found out the 6th that it was a hoax and then waited until the 26th to tell Notre Dame, which doesn't really make sense because that's all, like, off-season time. And then, you know, Notre Dame doesn't even break the story. Deadspin tells us about it, like, three days ago. And that's a lot of – just a big gap between those events. Yeah, I feel like he had to know early. Maybe it was the 6th. But, I mean, the details have come out now. And she was going to meet him a bunch of times and just never showed up. And then he just went with that. I don't like. I said I, we're all guys here, and you know he is was destined to be famous. He was a big time recruit out of Hawaii. It was between USC and Notre Dame. And even though Notre Dame was like a little down or down, whatever you want to call it, when he went there, you know Notre Dame gets publicity. It is Notre Dame, and so it's really hard for me to believe that he kind of just went with someone he never really saw for three years when he's probably one of the most eligible bachelor so to speak in the state of indiana you think it just seems insane to me that you could have an online girlfriend for so long and it just it's fake and you never questioned it i don't know kurt you what do you think well my understanding is and i haven't i haven't been following it as much as a lot of people have but my my understanding is that the guy who was playing the prank would have his cousin show up occasionally like his girl cousin yeah. And so she was kind of playing the role. So I don't know if he actually met this cousin and thought that it, she was somebody else. He said um, that he never met her in person. He saw pictures and spoke with her on the phone. And it okay. was the cousin. See, okay. that's, that's the so, funny thing, though, because isn't the story that they their eyes met at a Stanford game and they traded numbers? Isn't that, like, directly from his mouth? I think he said he never said that. I don't know what the origin of that. I didn't look it up. I think some of that stuff came from his dad. And he had lied to his dad. He yeah. told that stuff to his dad, lying to his dad, and then his dad repeated it to the media. Who knows? Uh, th- th- it's very clear that we don't know everything. No, obviously. And it's only further complicated by that NFL player came out and said, oh, I've met her. You know, I know her. Right. Yeah, the one story that got me was they were in the hotel before the national championship game. And they had, or maybe before the state game, and they had a huge group of people downstairs, including the friend, and they all, like, called Teo up in this hotel and were like, hey, is she with you? You know, we're waiting for her. Like, I don't know what they were trying to do, but that's when I would have just gone down and figured it out. 
I don't, I don't know. Something either screams that he there's a reason he had to cover it up, or he he was a part of it, and that's why he had to cover it up. I don't. The, the whole someone coming out and taking full blame for it still kind of sounds to me like somebody said, "Hey, take the blame, and then we'll, we'll we'll take care of you later." Yeah, I just don't know how he never looked her up. She died, and he never looked for an obituary. See, that's what confused me too. How is it that the media just accepted this for so long? Yeah, nobody ever fact checked. Well, That's I mean, weak. I don't know. Plenty of players, plenty of big players have girlfriends, and I don't. I mean, they they maybe were busy looking at Johnny Football's girlfriend, and not that I blame them, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's maybe some of these things are just kind of hard. You can't fact check every single girlfriend, but here's here's a a quote from Teo on this whole thing about you know why he why he lied about it. I even knew that it was crazy that I was with somebody that I didn't meet, and that alone, people find out that this girl who died, I was so invested in, but I didn't even meet her. I heard my story, people think that, yeah, he met her before she passed away, so that people wouldn't think I was some crazy dude. So he never met her, but he lied about it, because he didn't want, he didn't want people to think that he was you know, weird for having this online girlfriend for so long that he had never met. I mean, that makes sense. I don't know. The biggest, the, not to disagree with your fact-checking statement you made, Kurt, but... You know, Kornheiser makes a statement about uh, McCarran's girlfriend and her Twitter followers, like, multiply times ten, and Manti Teo's a big figure, and his girlfriend dies, and no one, like, does any background check on it. It was a central part of his Heisman campaign, was yep. the, that week with Michigan State, where his grandma died, and then his girlfriend died, too. Yeah. That was the story for him the whole year. I think it was the Michigan game, actually. Was it? Because they were at home for Michigan. yeah, yeah. I don't know. He had a huge game that week, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he had two interceptions. The interesting thing, I didn't know this, to, uh, deviating a little bit from the story, but he didn't have a turnover until this year, which really surprised me because for the longest time I thought he was a big-time impact player, and his big stats came this year. So it's kind of yeah. interesting branching a little bit towards the NFL prospect. Yeah. Well, he, he had a decent year last year, though, didn't he? Just not necessarily a lot of turnovers. I thought he, he had like, a lot of tackles and tackles for loss, those kind of yeah, stuff. he's like, always been the vocal leader and yeah. the, the big guy there. But it wasn't necessarily a game changer. See, yeah, that's I knew that, but I thought that he was more of an impact player and mm-hmm. he the stat that I heard was that the you know, he had the seven interceptions and I think two recovered fumbles. He didn't force a turnover until this year. Wow. Which I thought was surprising and, and it kinda not to say that he's not a good player because I think he's a first round pick, but you know, for someone that's a high impact guy, it seems like he didn't really start making plays until the talent around him got better. So do you, you think what? this hurts his draft stock? I, I haven't decided say. yet. What do you think, Kurt? Uh I mean I thought you brought up two good points, Blair. One, you mentioned that you thought in the first round, and I think we we should definitely talk about that more. Uh but the other thing that I thought I'd heard that he was Potentially, someone who could have gone pro last year, he would have been, a, you know, maybe a third or fourth rounder, and so he decided to stay. But that, that's, I thought that I had heard that from like Musburger or someone like that. I mean, he's a tackler. He's big. He's fast enough to play. So I can see him being even without the turnovers. I think the the biggest thing that hurts his draft stock is I think before this year. I think he would have been a little bit higher than a third or fourth round pick last year, but I think it was based mostly on the intangible thing. And so I think his big knock this year is going to be, one, the championship game, and two, this kind of makes people question his makeup a little bit. But I still right. think he's late first, early second. 
Okay. I, at the worst. I think before the championship game, people were talking about him going top 15. So I think Kuiper had him at 7th. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that was top 10. So, I mean, maybe he drops out of the first half of the first round? I, I think he goes somewhere uh, somewhere back there. I, I think I heard Giants. I personally wouldn't mind seeing him in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a good player. And he's not going to be asked to be an immediate leader. Yeah, and the the big the one that one that everybody points at specifically for this season two is Baltimore, who's going to be in the end of the first mm-hmm. round. Yeah, I, I if he makes it that far, that's a great draft pick. I'd love Atlanta to have him too. No, I agree. I think he's a he's a good talent. I don't like cheering for him now, but I, I even posted at the beginning of the year when they played Purdue. I don't like seeing him in in, in the Golden Domers, but he can come to the Windy City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't, I don't know that. I mean, this, this story is obviously going to hurt his draft, but I don't think it's really going to affect him as a player. It's not like he was doing drugs or doing something that's yeah. going to hinder hinder his performance. I mean, this is all personal life. I don't I don't see how this really is going to impact his play down yeah. the line. I would agree with that, but I feel like specifically, especially under Goodell's tenure, that character concerns have kind of become a bigger issue. I don't think it's as big a deal, and for what it's worth, I think the media has kind of overblown this a little bit, but... You know, I, I agree for the most part. I don't think it, it, it tanks his stock at all. No, I don't see how it can. This is a character issue that's a little different than normal ones. It's not like he's going out to clubs. Yeah, no, I agree. He just made up a girlfriend, which is weird, but not necessarily like a lot of lonely nerds on the internet do that. I just want to touch on this before we take up this point. I'm Go not ahead. sure if we're close, but I, I do think, and not because I'm not a big Notre Dame fan, I think... At the beginning of the story, I think it's lost a little traction. You do have to question a little bit maybe his sexual interests because if he did have motive behind it besides publicity, publicity would be the big one. But is it possible that he, you know, is just not into girls and this is a cover up because they're not athletes that come out? I mean, it's still not accepted, so to speak, I guess. And I'm not saying he is, it's just something that I gave thought and thought had some traction early on. But the way this thing's kind of turned, I don't know if it's relevant anymore. It definitely seems like the second most likely reason that he would do this. Besides just, he was just embarrassed because he got... Yeah, when they interviewed, they interviewed students on Notre Dame's campus, and a lot of them weren't really surprised at all that something like this was going on. And they said that he really likes the attention, you know, points himself out to his friends when he's on TV. Maybe there's more than just hiding embarrassment or, or as Blair mentioned maybe maybe hiding sexual preference uh, maybe it was literally you know I can use this to get more attention same day my grandma did let's let's milk this get a couple wins inspire the defense to play that kind of stuff I mean yeah I, I definitely could see that being a factor yeah, I think if, if it was a cover-up, like Mike said, the second biggest one you would have to question would be preference. I think the first one would be hype because, like Mike said, the whole tragedy was the big driving force between before uh, behind his Heisman campaign. Yeah. I just, he seems like a decent guy, and I don't want to get all over him for this because maybe he was just super naive. No, I agree. I like like Kurt said at the beginning. I think the reason this has kind of seen more media attention than it deserves is because it's so unusual. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's move on from that for now. Uh, let's go NFL playoffs. Um, we'll start with the AFC Ravens okay. Patriots. I, I got I got the Patriots. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to disagree with me. I know 
know that the Ray Lewis story is a good one, and I I didn't think they'd beat Denver. I thought maybe the momentum they picked up would be, but I don't think they're as good as they were last year. But I, I don't know. This one's I think both uh, uh, games this weekend are are tough to pick. Yeah, I mean the line that Patriots Ravens game opened at nine and a half, ten points, and has been steadily coming closer to even uh, about maybe seven. Games. And to me, the ten points is just a little. A little over, you know, maybe a little overhyping the Patriots a little bit. Yeah, um, they they beat Houston and they beat them fairly handily, uh, but they still gave up. They gave a, up a lot of yards. What was it, twenty eight points? Houston was on the downswing at the end of the year. Yeah, destroyed them doesn't mean doesn't mean a whole lot now. No, I agree. I thought the the Bengals win was real ugly. I mean, they're at home and it just didn't. Become, the defense never. The defense played well in that game. The Bengals. Houston game, but I agree with that. Um, the bigger story is kind of Belichick and Brady's legacy versus Lewis's goodbye, so to speak, or is the biggest story of this. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, Andy Dalton was one overthrown pass away from winning that game against Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know that Cincinnati would have done any better going into New England than Houston did. I'm still not ready to completely crown the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, what an elite offense, a decent league average defense. You know, they're terrible in the passing game as far as defense goes, but their rushing D is top 10, and their scoring D is top 10. So, and the Ravens are sort of average everywhere. You know, Joe Flacco can have the big plays. I think the the big thing for me concerning the Ravens, I feel like they're really... Maybe not really, but they're inconsistent. Like, you don't know which Joe Flacco's going to show up. And on top of that, you don't know if the coordinator's going to give Ray Rice the ball 20 times a game or 10. Or 3. I Who mean, knows? I think the stats out there, that it's it's they're like 25-1 and one when Ray Rice touches the ball. I think it's like at least 20 times. And that's a pretty proven stat. And I know there are things that factor into that. And he had, six, I think, six touches in the first half of the Denver game. Now they won, but I just he's a premier back, and I don't know why you don't hand him the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that the offense has always been kind of entertaining for me. They are the Chicago Bears of the AFC. Uh, <laughs> since, since 2008 – yeah, sorry, Blair. <laughs> since 2008, Flack has had, you know, 19 QBRs, you know, ESPNs rating system, 19 of those ratings under 20 when 50 is league average. And that's the tight with most, tight most with Sanchez. I mean, so that's just pathetic. But he's yeah, also you don't want to be tight with Sanchez in anything. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to be tight with Sanchez. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but he's also had 19 QB, QB, QBRs over 80. And I mean, just the, the wild inconsistency is, so, I mean, it's kind of hard to sit here and pick the Patriots when Iron Chin, Joe Flacco could come out and just, have yeah. growth. we could out, he's outplayed Brady the last couple of times they've met. So yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to to, exp- to say definitely the Patriots are going to win. No, I agree. I mean, uh, I think in the last he's been in this is the second straight AFC Championship game, and it's three out of the last four, right, Flacco? And I, I believe, believe so. yeah. I believe they've missed the Super Bowl all three times because the receivers dropped an an easy catch. I remember the Hushmanzada one. There was the <laughs> Lee Evans one last year, and then the missed field goal, obviously. So. I agree. You know, which Flacco are you going to get? It's definitely a big part of the game. I think, yeah, it really comes down to Flacco. Because uh, I think the defense, for what it's worth, they, they're beat up, but I think Lewis has gelled them, and I think they're playing decently well. Definitely above their 
level at this point. Yeah. You know, you don't know if that's going to be, you know, sustainable, but who knows? It's two games. One, really. I think the the big question, I mean, basically, I think the Patriots, it, Ray Rice, I think, is one B to that coin because I think Flacco performs better when he's able to do play action to Lee Evans. Or, sorry, uh, Toy Smith, my bad. Right, Toy yeah. Smith. Sorry. Um, so, and then other side of the ball, can the Ravens D stop Tom Brady? There's only one way to do it, and that's to hit Tom Brady. Yeah. That's a scary prospect. That offense is almost 2007 level good. Yeah, that's that's what uh, is is scary because I believe if I heard last, uh, Danny Woodhead and, and Gronkowski were their big pieces for the game plan last week, and they both go out early in the first quarter, and then they still drop 48 or whatever they scored. It's weapons on weapons for them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's insane. Even with Gronkowski out, they still, they, there's definitely a little bit of struggle in the first game or two that he missed. But right. they really they picked it up pretty quickly. I mean, going, going they just had to practice using a one tight end offense more. I mean, it really wasn't that big of an adjustment that, for them. I think that speaks to Belichick's game planning and Brady's execution. I think it's not only the game plan. I think it's just the system. Yeah, like they just plug guys in and it works. Yeah, I saw an interesting stat. You know, you think of the Belichick Brady dynasty, really, of the Patriots. Um, Brady is the only player left from the two thousand one championship team. That's surprising. And from the 04 team, the only other two players that are still around are Vince Wilfork and uh, Dion Branch. And he left. That's nuts. So it's really just Belichick and Brady. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I, you know, the legacy of Tom Brady, more so I think than Belichick, but Brady is a big question this, this week, or this year basically. And uh, my question is, you know, the, the big question is, is he the greatest ever? He's definitely in the running. Uh, Kurt, what do you think? I mean, I've, I've got an extremely biased opinion being a Colts fan. I mean, I can't stand the man. But you can't argue that he's, what, top top three, top five right now. And another Super Bowl would, would definitely put him in the conversation for being the best ever. Um, you, have to, you have to question some of their success in the past only because of – you know, no, I that, was, that, up. that was my point. I don't want to. I don't want to say if he doesn't win this year, it damages. I don't want to go as far as damages, but to me, like I think if you try to be a little unattached to the situation, it kind of raises some questions because they did win those Super Bowls early, and you know, up until recently, they really struggled in the playoffs. And I know it's hard to get there, but it, I don't want to say again. I don't want to say damages, but raises some questions for me to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're making AFC title games, I think it's kind of hard to say that, oh, he's looking he's worse now. But, I mean, if he were to make a Super Bowl and get beat, you know, lose the third straight, uh, that that would definitely, I, I would agree, it would raise some questions. He's like, second half of his career is Jim Kelly. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jim Kelly was an excellent quarterback. And a Hall of Famer. But, you know, you can't you can't compare the two because Brady won. No, yeah. I mean, he has the rings, and that's why I didn't want to... I, damages is not the right word. It, the question is the word, and not that like, he's not great. I agree he's top three, top two, whatever you want to say right now. Mm-hmm. But it's just, if he if he does, like, if he does win another trip to the Super Bowl and then loses, you know, it just raises some questions for me. I think the big thing with him is, when was the last time he had a weapon? A re- like, 
Gronkowski's great, and Hernandez is great, but 07 Randy Moss and that's was the, the last funny, Hall of Famer he played with on offense. And that's the funny thing you mentioned that, because they didn't make it to the Super Bowl that year. I think they... What did they do? I, I know they made it to the playoffs, but I don't know. Did they make it to the championship game? The 07 year was the undefeated season. Yeah, they lost to the Giants on that crazy play. The Eli <coughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I'm thinking of the year after. My yeah. bad. That was, uh, that was a huge one. That was kind of the turning point in his career from when he went from just this insanely dominant guy to being the new Jim Kelly. Yeah, beautiful. Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really speaks how spoiled we are as football fans that we have you know, some of the all-time greats. I mean, Peyton Manning is probably the best thinker as far as a quarterback goes. Ever. I like Skip Bayless's title, the best regular season quarterback to ever play the game. For sure, and definitely the the smartest. I mean, he's basically been running his own offense since he was a rookie. Oh, for sure. Um, but then you also have Brady, who's one of the greatest winners ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Colts fan, and I live in Colts area, and, you know, I didn't have any vesting entrance in that 2007 Super Bowl, but I wasn't objected to seeing it because I would have been able to say I've seen a 19-0 team in my lifetime. I think we are all in agreement that Tom Brady is top five at absolute worst, and with a win this year, has to be in the conversation with Montana for best ever. And I think the scariest thing is that, on top of that, is that outside of Brady, like you said, Brady's the only one left from 01, and there's only three from 04. This team is relatively young, except for Brady. And Brady is built to play into his 40s. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's, been pretty, and so, he's been pretty well protected. Yeah. I mean, besides the one really awful hit from Bernard Pollard. Segwaying into Bernard Pollard. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Like, the team is young. They stockpile draft picks like nobody's business. He could keep going, so mm-hmm. it's scary proposition. We did mention Bernard Pollard. I just want to bring this up because it's one of the craziest things that I can think of that happens on the field football. I think we should recap the injuries, right? Yeah. I mean, it started with Brady, correct? Yes. He was the chief safety that mm-hmm. year. It was the first game of the season, and he, I think he came in on a blitz and got knocked down by the running back and just hit him in the shin and got his knee. Ended that year. Yeah. And then killed the Chiefs later when they traded for Matt's Castle. Yeah. Okay, that's a good thing. <laughs> And then, I don't know if it was the next year or the year after that, but uh, he was with Houston. It was like the second, last regular season game, and Wes Walker catches a nothing slant, goes to Juke to miss Pollard, blows out his knee. Right, right. And then, last year, he uh, hurt Gronkowski. Yeah, uh, I believe the... I don't think he was... Solely responsible, but if I remember yeah. the the tackle that Gronkowski got injured on that hurt his ankle and made him you know pretty much ineffective for the Super Bowl, Pollard was in. Yeah, so he's pretty much become a Patriot killer. So I guess the question is, who does he hurt this year? Kurt, I mean you you with your extreme bias. <laughs> uh, how about Danny Woodhead? Okay, I didn't think of that one. My thought was Aaron Hernandez. Because it seems like he works down the pieces, and I feel like with Gronk out, Hernandez is a huge piece of the offense. I, my thought was Bill Belichick. Also, I mean, Mike told me this before we started recording, and I laugh because it is possible. I, you know, it reminds me of the Charlie Weiss and Paterno in college, just standing on the sidelines and just boom, right in the knee. And are the Patriots as good with Belichick not on the field? 
I don't think so. I think there's actually a huge difference between being on the field and up, even just up in the box. If he's, you know, if he's in the hospital or whatever, I mean, who says he he gets hurt like that? But you never know. He just walks it off. He probably would. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it, the the Pollard stuff is just insane to me. It's, I mean, it's pretty much sheer coincidence, but mm-hmm. it just it keeps happening, so it becomes a running gag. Yeah, and it's not. I don't want to say that Pollard is a dirty player because he's not. None of those plays were dirty. No, no, they were not. He didn't even technically hit Welker. <laughs> well, I mean, some people would question his hit on Brady, the initial hit that took him out in he week one when he was at Kansas City. City. Yeah, I think that was what the they changed the rule that you can't go under the knees or whatever. But he was he was blocked. I yeah. believe it was. Uh, uh, I can't think of the running back. It was the older guy. That was there forever. I think Dylan maybe, but I think he, one of them, yeah. he knocked him down and then he was trying to get up and he shoved him down again. It was just kind of a play, so to speak. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, anything else on Patriots Ravens for me, either of you? One of the statistics the NFL put out was that the divisional game or the wild card games were all low scoring games and then the divisional were way more high scoring. But I think the trend in uh, championship games is for it to be lower score games. So it's interesting you guys picking the race to 30. Well, yeah. My issue is that the Ravens' defense is old, going up against a pretty stellar Pats offense, and D is, the passing D is pretty bad. I expect Patriots maybe to get out to a little bit of a lead, and then whether Flacco can catch well enough to get them back in the game. Yeah, it's a pretty sure. passing game, I think. Okay. Just one last point for me I just thought of. I think uh, a big aspect will be uh, keeping your cool in this one. I think after the championship game last year, this one might be get a little chippy early. Definitely possible. These teams clearly do not like each other. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to 49ers Falcons. Um, I will let Blair, you go ahead and start. This one, I think, for me saying that the, I thought the Ravens-Patriots is going to be close, this one is just... I, I'm still at a toss-up on this one. I... Uh, you know, I thought the Fal- the Falcons won, but uh, it's for me it's kind of hard to take anything because they looked so good early, and then the Seahawks came back, and then they won late, which is a big deal in its own right. But it- it's tough. I mean, Kurt, do you have a pick in this one? I mean, I, I don't I don't feel confident about it, and I certainly wouldn't put money on it. But I, I feel like the 49ers are going to go in there again. I think it, more than anything, maybe I'm just trying to, to nurse my ego a little bit because all along I thought that this Kaepernick. Replacing Smith was one of the worst calls I'd ever seen. I mean, Smith was having games of his career up to the point where he had his concussion. Right. Um, and and Kaepernick was completely unproven. So whatever whatever Harbaugh saw in practice, I mean, it, it must have been definitive. I mean, that's all. I don't I don't know how else you would make such a gutsy call like that and be so dead dead on about it. The thing that I like about the Kaepernick switch, just my comments on it, I just thought that. It, you know, Smith was having – I think Smith's big thing was he didn't turn the ball over, which is a big deal when you give it over to a young QB. But I, my thought was, well, I don't think the passing game could get any worse, and Kaepernick is extremely athletic, so it just gives you another dimension, so to speak. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about Kaepernick for me is um, – and I say this all as a Falcons fan. Um, he spent the entire week doing interviews, reading stories, hearing people just say – this kid is the greatest that, you know, putting up video game numbers. And it's a lot like Jeremy Lin last year where he came in and just had this ridiculous start. And I mean, Jeremy Lin is playing well in Houston right now, um, but he's not 
that's never material. Um, and I think it could come down. I think it, I, that's that's a very good point. I think the the difference is the not the difference, but a, kind of a big factor is the the short amount of time. I mean, mm-hmm. the Falcons have a week, and Grant, I think Russell Wilson gives them some things to work with with Kaepernick. But I think going along with that, I thought that was one of the big things too. That I think I don't know if Harbaugh thought, but Kaepernick has confidence, and I think mm-hmm. it's a big deal, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, he's not scared of anyone. No, I mean, he threw a pick six to open up that game. Yeah, and came back and just had, I mean, one of the best quarterback games ever in playoff history. As a second-year guy? Yeah, second year. Yeah. And- I, 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 I think the, you know, the big thing is I'm sure Atlanta will be rocking in the you know, NFC Championship game, but he's not, you know, Playoffs is a different beast, but you know the game I reference is they went into Foxborough, which I don't think is an easy place to play either. And he he had they had a high they had a shootout there. I think it was forty five thirty one or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you also go to the other side of the coin. They went to Seattle and got destroyed at the end of the season. It was like forty one thirteen. It was ugly, and that and was that game was meant something too. I mean, that, yeah, that, was, that wasn't like a throwaway game. <laughs> so I mean. You never really know. And Seattle is one of those super loud stadiums. It's going to be like that this weekend. Yeah. I, I guess the big story, I think, is, you know, it's the defenses. Can the can the Atlanta contain Kaepernick? And then what can Matt Ryan do against a pretty good defense? I think uh, – I don't think Atlanta has a shot to contain Kaepernick. It's just going to be a matter of – is he going to come back to Earth? They did a better than expected job against Wilson, especially in the first step. And then Abraham went out, and he's questionable for this week. And I don't know if they can stop Kaepernick. I, I think, I think they, they'll be all right. Uh, unlike Green Bay, they've had a lot of exposure to these kind of quarterbacks, and they played against Newton. Newton took them to town. But at least they've seen it. Yeah, and, and they did, even they Freeman just, can move. Yeah, and they, they did, and they did just fine last week. I mean, Lynch had something like less than fifty yards. Uh, Wilson kind of ran all over them, but he, they kept him inside the pocket. He only got outside the pocket, you know, maybe five or six times. Um, I think they did a good enough job to win the game. I think those are good points that Kurt makes about the division opponents. Um, I, that's what I was going to say when you were making more comments. I thought the bigger thing was the fact that Atlanta stopped Lynch because mm-hmm. I think the play action, for more so, maybe more so for Wilson, but play action was a huge weapon for Seattle. Um, and I think that the containment is the bigger thing because I thought the Packers were dumb. They continued to blitz the guy, and he was like, all right, I'm so, just going to go. They uh, only had their own game plan there, I think. I mean, I don't want to... I'm not a professional coach. No, I, but no. it seems silly now. I agree. Yeah, I, mean, we, I think we're all in agreement that it's going to be a very close game. Um, probably I, has to be. right? And, yeah. And, go ahead, Blair. Not, sorry, I just I, I don't know. I think this one this one could be kind of a grinded out game where you see something like Atlanta passes to score and then San Francisco being on the road tries to run and grind down the tempo. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. And Atlanta, they have a weird offense. They run the no huddle, the, the, the fast offense, but they go to the line and get set and wait and wait and wait and wait until there's three seconds left on the play clock every single time. 
and they can't can't make subs, but it still slows the game down. So it's just it's an interesting offense, and they're the only ones I think that do that. That super slow. I think there have been teams that do. I think the big benefit is, like you said, no substitute. But I think the thing is, you try to get the like players to specifically D lineman to just sit there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's hard to watch sometimes, even though I'm a huge fan, because I just, as a football fan, you always want it to move, and it's just I'm barely a basketball fan, so football is yeah, already slow to me. People who don't like football, that's usually their biggest beef, is a lot of standing around, pretty frequent commercial breaks. Not that that's any different for NBA, but at least in the NBA when they're playing, they're playing all the time. Right. But, uh, so Falcons, it can be tough to watch. You know, When we went to that game in, in Philadelphia and it was mm-hmm. raining and really, really cold, I was miserable in that, in that fourth quarter when the game was already in hand and they're sitting there taking 30 seconds to snap. Yeah. Uh, a couple of or a stat that would suggest a close game: five consecutive NFC Championship games decided by seven points or less, with three overtimes. I don't, I don't think this bucks the trend. Be close for sure. I think it goes in overtime. Uh, I don't want to predict that because overtime just doesn't happen that much. I mean, yeah, has- the answer to that's always going to be no. It's not going to go to overtime, but. Kind of hope it does. That'd be, that'd be a great game. I mean, yeah. Matty Ice and, and this Kaepernick kid, you know, who's who's got more confidence. And that that I can't even imagine how loud it would be in there for an overtime game. Oh yeah, I think I do want to bring this up because as the Falcons fan, it's bothered me for a long time. Everyone makes fun of Matt Ryan for not being clutch, whatever. I really don't think it's him. Matt Ryan has always played pretty well at the end of games. The person that I have a problem with is Mike Smith, their coach. Um, he makes some of the dumbest calls as far as timeout management. You know, he's not Andy Reid bad. He really has it rough sometimes. Is he called well bad? Sorry, Kurt. <laughs> Damn it. Um, no, I don't think he's called well bad either. But, you know, it's just, it really bothers me sometimes when people are always making fun of Matt Ryan. I mean, at the end of that game against Seattle, those were two perfect passes. And they're playing a prevent, which is silly on their part, but I don't, a, a non-clutch quarterback, guy with trouble with that, doesn't make those throws. He checks down, like Flacco did to Rice in that huge game that earlier this season. Or in Denver, John Fox <laughs> makes you kneel it and go to overtime. Right. That's one of the most baffling coaching decisions I've ever seen. But yeah, I, I, I think it's Mike Smith. And I think that Matt Ryan is going to be out to prove that he can play, especially now that they've won their first playoff game. My question to you, Mike, is as an Atlanta fan, you know, this is their first playoff win in Gonzalez, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit. But you know, did you take confidence away from that game? Watching that game, I was he- here at my house by myself. It was the most stressful football game I've ever watched. I was sitting there, and I just, as soon as Seattle started coming back, I just knew that something bad was going to happen. And it did. He threw that pick, and they came back and scored twice and took the lead. And I was just sick to my stomach. Um, But I think I texted you, Kurt, during the game, 
saying that I'm never nervous when Matt Bryant is kicking. And it's true. Even when he was kicking that game winner, I was so sure he was going to make that because he's such a good kicker in the last three years. And he did. He, he missed the fake icing that Pete Carroll did and tried to pass up on someone else. But he made the actual one that counted. And it was great. It was just such a, a burden lifted off of even me as a fan. I can't imagine what it was like for them as players. It's a good well, point. I mean, Tony was crying at the end of the game. I mean, yeah. It's just crazy the monkey off of his back now. So, I mean, you got that aspect as well. I mean, Atlanta could come out here now that they know what it's like to win. You know, they could, they, this team, and we've talked about this many times before, this is the Indianapolis Colts team of, you know, eight, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, no one was – they were making fun of Manning because he couldn't win games in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden they got the monkey off their back, and it was just like this huge weight was lifted, and they immediately were able to win more games. Yeah, and it could be the same. I think uh, the kicking is a good point, too, just for this game, especially in a close one. Brian is money, and Akers has been bad, and San Francisco's had kickers in and out throughout the playoffs, so I think that's just a good sub-point. For sure. And you did mention Tony Gonzalez. It was huge for Mike Smith and Matt Ryan. It was beyond. It was career-making for Tony Gonzalez. You yeah. mentioned he was crying on the field. This guy's been in the league for 16 years. He's the best tight end of all time. You know, he's maybe the second best pass catcher of all time. He's definitely in the in the mix. He's up there. And he finally won his first playoff game. I mean, that's just got to be just the best feeling in the world for him. Yeah, I yeah, I would agree with you guys. I think if there's anything, Atlanta comes out looser more so than tight, even with the way the game went last week. I agree. Well, they came out pretty loose last week, too, and I think they just kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah, they did make some questionable defensive calls as far as playing prevent super early. And Russell Wilson, the kid's going to be great, and he's going to take advantage of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you got to consider him as the Drew Brees 2.0, right? I mean, he's short. He can throw it everywhere. He's, and he's real accurate. Athletic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point. So I, I think that he's, uh, he's going to be a great one. Atlanta, Atlanta got away with it, and I think this week it's gonna they're gonna come out pretty confident. I'd agree. I think that's. I, I think it's real tough for me because I I picked Seattle last week, uh, but I think I think Atlanta probably gets it done at home. We all we all agree that it's gonna be a close game, and the Matt Ryan Mike Smith duo have always been very great, especially at home in close games. And they're mm-hmm. nineteen and five in home games. They've been decided by less than eight points. It seems yeah. like this year, even, they've won yeah, I mean, so this, many this, games in the last seconds. Yeah. I think it's three or four during the regular season, plus last week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah last, last week made it five. That's insane. That's real impressive. I mean, I think that it's interesting, but I mean, San Francisco was back, I mean, was here last year, and if not for two backup punt return fumbles, maybe going to Indianapolis. And when we yeah. talk, we've been focusing a lot of our attention on Atlanta. Um, should probably talk some more about this this kid Kaepernick. You know how he's done the last eight weeks. You know, did, did either one of you like the call to bench Smith for him? I did. I I did not. I thought that Smith was having a good year. Um, but I think that Harbaugh is the best coach in the NFL, and he saw it and made the call. And 
I don't want to go against him because he's never done anything but good. I mean, San Francisco was terrible when he came in. And he immediately brought them to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I think the, along with the Harbaugh thing, the biggest thing that'll be interesting is that they use a lot of formations. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be interesting to see. And I think that's the biggest reason they had success is because, you know, they'll come in and put like the, the three backs in the backfield and then they'll rotate. It looks like a traditional set. And you're like, I don't know what they're doing. And then they run the ball. Back to Kaepernick. He's just, the kid's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I'm sure it'll be loud and it'll be, but I, I don't know if he'll be phased by Atlanta, like the actual stadium. I don't see how it can be. Yeah, I mean, he's. I watched plenty of interviews with him this week, and he's. He's ready to go. Yeah, he's he's not afraid of anyone, and Atlanta's D is not great, not really even good, especially if John Abraham is out. So yeah, I mean, we'll they really struggled against the run. So despite the fact that they've seen Cam Newton, they've seen Seattle. Um, you, you mentioned that uh, crap. The Tampa Bay quarterback, he he can move. Freeman. Yeah. Yeah, Freeman. Thank you. Yeah, he he's a mobile quarterback. Breeze is a mo- mobile quarterback. So I mean that 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 division, they see a lot of that kind of that kind of action from the quarterback and the dual True. threats. Uh, but you also have to worry about Ka- Kaepernick through the air. I mean, he and Crabtree have been an absolute joke since they came since he started playing. Is anyone more happy to see Kaepernick in than Michael Crabtree? I mean, the guy's career was almost done. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, yeah, agreed. <laughs> he was. I mean, he was one of the bigger draft busts in the last few years. I mean, he came in and he's in his fourth year now, and he's done nothing. I think that's right. And now he's. What was his stats in the last game? I'm not sure about last game, but uh, since Kaepernick's come in, he's been averaging about six catches a game for about 90 yards. If you I mean, average that out to a season, that's a 1,400-yard season he's averaging. Yeah, that's huge. And think, that's with other guys. I mean, Vernon Davis is a, a good tight end. Yeah, I think that, again, again, I think uh, like the game plan for Atlanta, what I think led to some success was that they stopped Lynch, so stopping Gore and trying to take play action out of the game plan will be a big part of the defense finding some success. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not confident about this one. I don't see how you could be. I think that Atlanta getting four and a half at home is silly. I want to take Atlanta to win, to be honest with you. I think it'll be last-minute play, and I like Matt Ryan there. Even though Colin Kaepernick has been great, he's he's not – not as proven in those situations. I, that, think, I think I take Matt Ryan. That's where I, I think I stand. The, the big issue there was for you as a Falcons fan, you said you don't like Mike Smith, and Mike Smith versus Harbaugh is just as big a part of it. That's very true. God, that, that's awful. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a great game. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Um, I think the Patriots game has potential, at least, to be to be a blowout. Uh, yeah. This one, I don't, I don't see how either team runs away with it. I mean, it's going to be a great game. So let's do some final score predictions for both games. I, we, I know we mentioned the Patriots game, but I want a solid final score from both of you. Uh, Patriots, 27-21. Okay, and the Falcons? 30-28. And who wins that one? 
Falcons. I have the Falcons. Okay. Kurt? Okay. I would say New England 35 and Baltimore 31. Okay. And then uh, San Francisco 24. Atlanta 21. Okay. I'm going Patriots 31, Ravens 21. So it'll be a pretty big win. Um, Atlanta, I'm going Atlanta 24, San Francisco 23. So pretty much the same as you, Kurt. But I think it's going to be a super close game. And well, and you're taking Atlanta, right? Right, right. No, we yeah, just switched I, your pick. <laughs> I mean, right, cool. I'm not really even angry about that because I'm not confident about that pick at all. It'll be a great game. Okie doke. I think that's all we've got for today. Yeah? Anyone want to throw any closing closing statements in? I'm good. Kurt? Uh, did we did we want to talk about how NFC number one seeds have fared in this game in the last decade? Yeah, let's let's throw it in there really quick. This is an interesting stat we saw we forgot to mention, um, but go ahead and hit us with it, Kurt. Okay, so since 2003, four NFC number one seeds who have gotten to the NFC title game, the 04 Eagles, 05 Seahawks, 06 Bears, and the 09 Saints, they all won. They were all 13-3, and three, which happens to be Atlanta's record this year. And three out of the four teams were also playing the two-seed, as Atlanta is this year. Uh, but only one of those four, nine Saints, won the Super Bowl. That's a, it's very interesting. That. It's interesting how history repeats itself here in the NFL. It really is. That's, that's creepy, almost. I mean, it doesn't really have any bearing on the game. No. In terms of actual play on the field. But it is an interesting stat for sure. It would seem to suggest that Atlanta's got at least a slight favorite to at least win this week. You would hope. I would hope. You would hope. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, uh, it's definitely a cool stat, and I'm hoping that it continues, for one. Just a quick question. Uh, I don't know how – I mean, Hope Field, but do you think Atlanta, if they win, going to only the Superdome would be a kind of a big deal considering the other opponent's going to come from the East Coast? I think it could be. I think it could be pretty big. The other, the thing you have to worry about is New Orleans people who just hate the Falcons buying up tickets and just they'll be there just to boo the Falcons. Maybe not cheer for the Patriots or Ravens, but just boo the Falcons. So, I mean, New Orleans has already had a terrible year, and. Winning in the Superdome, winning a title in the Superdome, would just be the biggest cap ever to the worst New Orleans sport. It's true. I think that uh, you know, with with what Atlanta's been through as a franchise, there, I think they would they would travel pretty well, though. I agree. Um, people get on Atlanta fans a lot for not being super dedicated to their teams, um, and I can't speak to it because I'm not from Atlanta. Uh, so I don't get to go to any other games. But I think that now that they've gotten the monkey off their back with the playoff wins, things are going to be pretty crazy down there. And if they should you know, get lucky and win this week, then next week or the Super Bowl will be a great game. Yeah, you, Blair, you mentioned the, you know, the location of the game, just geographically, not, not talking about the Superdome and what all that means as a Falcons fan. Uh, but, I mean, there's two weeks between these games tomorrow and the Super Bowl. So I don't, I don't really see there being much of a 
difference other than the fact that Atlanta plays in that dome every year. I think and, he was speaking more to the fans in the stadium. Yeah, I was the fans. Okay, I thought you were talking about like how the teams would be feeling or prepared or whatever. No, I don't think that. I think that's a a huge myth in the NFL. I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough to get over traveling, but those teams are there on Wednesday, Thursday. Right, right. So they've gotten used to it by then. No, my yeah, my my aspect was more so. I think being in uh, New Orleans, more casual fans could make the trip. Sure, like being in uh, you know Indy. Obviously, Indianapolis would love it to be there, but Chicago would be a big deal. People would you know people from Chicago would just drive down to be there because it's just three hours. That's more. I was going from the fan aspect. Okay, yeah, I just misunderstood you. Uh, one last thing, you know, people bashed on Atlanta most of the years. No one was really sure how good they really were. Now, they won the games. They won games against the good teams they played, I and mean, they only played three teams with a winning record all, all year. I'm not not counting last week in Seattle. Right. They won all three. They beat Denver at home. They um, crushed Denver. Yeah, but it was I mean, kind of before Manning got his stride. Right. I mean, that was week two. Manning was not Manning. I mean, he's just now getting back to where he was at. Yeah. Uh, Dallas at home, I mean, they finished eight and eight, but that, that's a team that can, that can win on, on any given week. Mm-hmm. And and then they just beat the absolute hell out of out of the New York Giants in a game that was huge. It was massive. I remember that game. That was just gigantic. And the only only loss at home was in a meaningless Week Seventeen game. So yeah, they they, they, they defended home field. They've they beaten everyone that they were supposed to beat. I mean, they they can't do anything about the schedule. They've always defended home field extremely well. I think they've, in the Mike Smith, Matt Ryan era, they've lost three or four games at home in that entire time. So, yeah, home field's a big deal. And they're much better in the in the Dome. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up then. Um, Kurt, thanks for coming on. All the way up from Chicago. Um, I, we don't really have an ending for this. No, because we still don't have a name. Yeah. So, I guess thanks for listening if you do listen all the way to here. And uh, hopefully we can get this out as much as possible. Yeah. All right. And I guess for Mike, hopefully the Falcons win. Yeah, go Falcons. And I guess for Kurt, hopefully the Patriots lose. All right. So Ravens, Falcons, Super Bowl. Yes, please.